1: I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, uh, I have the great privilege of having a special guest. Uh, He's a very gifted man. Uh, God has given him the ability to be in a ministry that deals with history, which is one of my favorite subjects, as well as uh, archaeology. And so on our show today, we have Dr. Carl Morgan. Uh, He's a pastor in Woodland and uh, Dr. Morgan, uh, welcome to Sound Reasoning.
2: Hello, Perseus. Thank you for uh, allowing me to uh, share it this afternoon.
1: We thank you. Mm-hmm. Dr. Morgan, can you tell us what is exactly uh, biblical archaeology? What is that field about?
2: Okay, the term archaeology uh, technically comes from a couple of Greek words. One is a chaos means ancient or from the beginning, and then logos, which means a word. And together, you get something like a word about or study of that which is ancient. So the simplest definition is the scientific study of the remains of the past human life. Um, I thought it's kind of funny. One archaeologist called it the science of rubbish or garbage, <laughs> and that isn't far off, really, because some very interesting material comes from out of ancient garbage dumps. So archaeology, it's a science, because there are scientific procedures that must be followed. It's not really a treasure hunt where digging is conducted in a haphazard manner. So it, what it does, it gradually uncovers meaning that digging takes place layer by layer. However, it's not enough just to uncover something, but it's got to be studied, it's got to be explained, it has to be interpreted using a scientific process.
1: Appreciate that response. Now, many of those listening, and uh, quite a few of us, have been exposed to archaeology through the movies, for example, Indiana Jones. So, what is the difference between biblical archaeology versus general archaeology?
2: Uh, biblical archaeology would actually employ the uh, former definition that I just gave, only you would focus on biblical periods at proposed biblical sites and then you draw conclusions from what is found that's help us to would help us to understand the Bible better it's limited actually in geography too so basically the land where biblical history took place would be places like Israel Jordan Turkey Egypt what Syria (laughs) run out of my memory banks here Iraq Lebanon even Greece So the goal of biblical archaeology is to shed light on the biblical record, sometimes to confirm that it actually happened where and how it is described in the Bible. So for apologetics purposes, it would actually confirm the authenticity of the Bible. So it's just the word Bible makes all the difference in the world with that.
1: Excellent. And with that being said, has there been discoveries... Within the biblical archaeology paradigm, uh, that has explained certain things, whereas the general archaeology couldn't have explained it. Have, have you come across something like that?
2: Um, you, you, again, using the Bible is the chief characteristic of the biblical archaeology. And um, what archaeology does then would simply help us to better understand Scripture. Mm -hmm. It it provides information about the customs of the people, their clothing, material objects, economy, it uncovers information about trade routes, types of travel, occupation, housing, government, religion, and it says that these persons were not simply figments of some overzealous imagination, but they are real people. So right. in the, using the biblical archaeology, it's, it's important to develop a connection between the biblical characters and their customs and manners. And today, really? like at our museum, it's a wonderful to read the, something like the story of David and Goliath, but it's something else to be able to handle a stone, a sling stone, that came from that time frame and understand how large it was and how fast it could travel when it's slung. And it's, uh, it's quite, a, quite a difference. So archaeology has helped us um, in, our, in locating biblical sites. Uh, it impresses on us, upon us the need for up-to-date maps of the biblical world. So when you see a map in your Bible, that came about through archaeology, so it's quite mm. different from just typical archaeology uh, that you would maybe Native American archaeology or, in, or even in other countries. So what it does, it confirms the historical references made in the Bible, and that's pretty pretty uh, important.
1: So what would you consider your most intriguing find
2: up to this point? Um, I think... It would be a layer of ash that turned out to be almost four feet in depth at a site that we think is biblical Sodom, as in Sodom and Gomorrah i 've been on this uh, at a dig site for the last ten years at a site that we think is, is sodom it 's called uh, Tallo Hamam, but I have seen many destructions at sites, but nothing like this. Mm. This destruction is from the Middle Bronze Period, which would be the time of Abraham and Lot. So it's the right time. It's the right geographical location, so it's in the right place, and it has all the right stuff. So to be able to observe pottery coming out of that ash layer with melted surfaces and mud bricks baked hard like stone that was a result of a destruction that New Mexico Tech Geophysical Department determined to have been caused by heat in excess of 10,000 degrees, that's pretty intriguing. And it's, uh, this is nuclear in proportion and was not caused by anything in our atmosphere. So when you're standing in something like that and you understand the Scripture said that God rained down fire and brimstone out of heaven and now you're standing in an ash layer four foot deep caused mm-hmm. by something of 10,000 degrees plush, And finding the pottery objects of that time frame, even skeletal remains of individuals who perished in the destruction, and that's very intriguing (laughs) indeed. (laughs) That is. Our site actually confirms then everything the Bible states about Sodom, including, well, to be able to walk through the city gate that Lot would have sat at and welcomed the angels of the Lord when they came to announce God's judgment. So I would say that that's probably the most uh, intriguing thing, the thing that's impacted me more than anything else I've ever done in digging.
1: Thank you for that response. Has there been uh, situations where it's been difficult for the archaeologists to gain access to the sites?
2: That's uh, going on right now in several parts of the world. Um, There are always challenges just to trying to get into a country to dig. It's not like you can just go and Announce! Oh, I like this spot. I'm going to start digging here. Now you'll end up <laughs> in jail real quick. But uh, it's interesting. I talked with Dr. Stephen Collins. He was the he is the director of the dig at Tal Hamam in Jordan. And I just talked to him recently, and he reminded me that it took almost four years to get a permit to dig at the site that we dig at. Mm. And he had done his research on the site. He had requested a permit to dig from the Department of Antiquities in Jordan. And four years later, after a great deal of expense and time, the permit was granted. So you don't just go up and start digging. You have to have credentials, first of all. You have to have an institution that's uh, backing you and you're representing. You have to have a plan, and you have to have support with both money and people, meaning diggers. (laughs) And um, it's, it's, uh, well, several of the countries today, where biblical archaeology takes place, are very dangerous, Right, and they're not even very hospitable. So there's, a, there's frequent fighting, and in most of these countries, foreigners are not welcome, so that makes it very difficult to conduct our archaeological expeditions. But probably the greatest challenge would be securing the money necessary to carrying out such an endeavor. Uh, in the early 1900s, it was popular for foundations and educational institutions, even churches. To support biblical archaeology projects, but that's not happening anymore. Christian institutions are barely struggling to survive. Philanthropists and foundations—they may give to worldly projects, but very few want to be associated with anything related to the Bible, which is unfortunate. But uh, that's the way it is. So it uh, takes quite a bit of time just to fundraise, and these are all barriers to getting into uh, locations to dig. So. Uh, it's it's not that easy. It takes a long time, a lot of preparation, a lot of money.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And since we're talking about it, uh, how could one that is maybe interested, maybe one of our listeners has a desire to go help with a dig, uh, what would they have to do?
2: If you, yeah, if you were interested in digging, the there are several ways you can do it. You can you can go online and look for just google in dig sites or something like that biblical archaeology dig sites if you were interested in joining the dig that i go to which is primarily a a, a christian dig there are most of the people that go there are christians and believe the bible be true we also work with uh, those of uh... islamic faith who are in jordan and they they also work at the site with us but. If you were interested in joining that dig, you would contact myself. you could reach me at um, the phone number which is nine uh, which would be five three o and then six six two one six seven five or you can just google Talo Hamam, which is t a l l and then e l dash h a m m a m and you can get all the information that you want. Now, you don't really um, want to go on to DIG unless you, there There's several things uh, that are necessary. One would be you have to be in pretty good health. You don't need any experience, okay. but you need to be in pretty good health. you okay. got to be willing to learn and work with others and be able to pay your own way because I don't know of any DIG that has funds that will pay for people to go you you have to pay your own money to to go on these digs but they um, they are available and I and there are two that are really good one is at Kirbet el-Makater which is biblical I in Israel Mm. and then
1: just if you can just highlight some of the cities that have been unearthed due to uh, archaeology
2: okay it's rare for a biblical site to have a sign that says welcome to this city. <laughs> um, if, if you look on a, your map, a Bible map, you'll see cities that are generally given locations, and of the hundreds of locations that have been identified, the, some of those names have been preserved throughout history, a, exactly or close to what is used in the Bible, meaning, well, take Jerusalem, for example. We know that Jerusalem has continuously been occupied since before the time of Joshua, mm-hmm. when it was called Salem, and then right. David when it was called Jebus before he conquered it, and then Jerusalem again during the time of Jesus and on through today. There's a couple other names in between Jesus and today, but it's uh, been in the same spot. So the name has stayed the same throughout history. So the tradition then is where generally um, we get the locations for these cities, traditions surrounding a particular site, will oftentimes assist us in identifying a particular biblical location, like indigenous peoples that live around the site, such as Bedouins who travel to seasonal locations, um, or people that permanently live in an area, they pass stories about locations down through the generations. And it's these stories that can help an archaeologist locate a site. Mm-hmm. And a recent discovery, and I'll give you a couple that makes, that has made a difference. A recent discovery that was complicated by tradition is the discovery, and I mentioned it earlier, of biblical I. That's A-I. Mm-hmm. And I was the second city destroyed by Joshua during the conquest of Israel over the Canaanites and was originally thought to uh, be at a site called et and this site was assigned as location of I by early explorers like Robinson in the 1800s and Wilson II, and even W. F. Albright in the 1920s. Well, it was excavated by Joseph Calloway in the 1960s and determined that there was no occupation there during the time that Joshua would have invaded it. Therefore, the conclusion was there was no conquest by Israel of Canaanites, There was no Joshua, and the Bible was wrong. Mm. So the problem, though, is that they were looking at the wrong site, right? Because they were taking tradition, what the typical uh, the indigenous people would say. Well, that's it over there. Well, sometimes there's more than one one site, uh, one uh, that has the same name. And see, not far away was another site called Kibbutomakader. And a group called Associates for Biblical Research, they have proven, as far as I'm concerned, that this is the site for Ai. They have the right geography, according to the Bible. They have the right time frame, uh, when Joshua was around, and the children of Israel. And they have the right stuff to determine that this is the proper location for Ai. So it's amazing, in 2013, an Egyptian scarab seal was discovered there that the magazine christianity today they labeled the archaeological discovery of the year because it pinpointed the date of occupation of the city to be during the time of joshua so it's been confirmed i think that this is it now it's the same thing with other cities one problem for example there are multiple places identified as as cana of galilee Mm. Where Jesus turned the water into wine. Right. So stories and tradition are seldom 100% accurate, but they provide valuable clues. Um, I'll give you one more. I could give you many, but uh, time's a problem. I could talk an hour on this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bethsaida. Uh, it wasn't too many years ago, just up until 1987, nobody knew where Bethsaida was. Because the site that we know to be Bethsaida today was several miles from the Sea of Galilee, and it's always used in reference to the Sea of Galilee. But that was recently discovered by Rami Araf and by understanding that the Sea of Galilee was reached by a tributary um, of the Jordan River that they were able to uh, float down to the Sea of Galilee, and the Jordan River had changed its course through the centuries, and that's why the location of this city, previously a mystery, was found so far inland. Mm. So now it's generally accepted. There's uh, No sign has been found, welcome to Bethsaida, but there's one outside of it now that says, welcome to Bethsaida. <laughs> <laughs> it's a modern one, though. And of course, the, the site I work at is revealing the site of biblical Sodom. So a lot of the sites uh, have been confirmed by the geography and the stuff that is found there and if it's in the right time and the right place and say you need a city gate and it has a city gate and then you're going to be pretty close to where you need to be and that's how most sites are determined in the bible very rarely as i said are there indicators that allow you to have an exact uh, site location there are some like jericho it's always always been there Hebron, it's a pretty good, right. good choice there. You know that's
1: been there. So, Dr. Yeah. Morgan, yeah. Um, we only have a few minutes left, but yes. tell us about your Woodland Biblical Archaeology Museum uh, located in uh, in California. For our listeners uh, who may be interested in visiting the uh, your museum, I've been there a few times, and it's just exciting seeing all of the authentic, ancient, um things that are in there so please explain to our listeners what it is and how they can get there
2: okay the woodland museum of biblical archaeology it's one of those very unique places that few people know about it yet it's really special it's located on the campus of woodland united fellowship which is the church i pastor i've been at the church 30 years and the museum has been here about eight years and we started with a few antiquities i picked up in the antiquity shops in jerusalem since then we've added about three hundred pieces from every period of biblical history through donations from private collectors another museum and a few more purchases but it's been called by many a a world-class museum and and i agree and it's open to the public there's no charge but we do accept donations we need some money to function on And almost every piece has an accompanying Bible verse to give it a biblical context. And that really helps to put it into context for the person who likes to read the Bible. So we have Bible study groups, church groups, senior groups, youth groups, children's groups, trying to think, homeschool groups. (laughs) You know, families, individuals have all been blessed when they visit. So all you need to do is call us, make an appointment, and we will make sure it's open with a docent tour if you desire, and again, that address is two forty Northwest Street in Woodland and that phone number is five three zero six six two one six seven five. You can also go online and and visit at it's just WOF Museum, WF Museum for Woodland United Fellowship dot org.
1: Amen. Thank you so much for the wealth of information that you've given us. And Dr. Morgan, uh, if the Lord see fit, I'd love to have you back on the show again, because I I know there's so much in you that can edify all of us. So thank you again for being on Sound Reasoning.
2: It's my pleasure.
1: I will talk to you again. Have a blessed evening. You too. Bye. Bye. That's Dr. Carl Morgan, uh, pastor in Woodland, and he spent uh, numerous years in the field of biblical archaeology. And as always, we hope that this information has edified you as a listener and has emboldened you as a Christian to learn more about the word of God. And to me, biblical archaeology gives us boldness and reminds us that the scriptures are historically accurate and the same God who's worked through history can work through us if we allow ourselves to be used by him. The same miracles that he performed, he can possibly do through us if we connect with him and allow him to do the things that he needs to do. And when I say allow him, meaning that we get on the same accord with God. And so we pray that this show have been of benefit. Please consider consider becoming a financial partner. Uh, we need you to continue proclaiming this gospel, this you in. And remember what 1 Peter says, to be always ready to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you. May God bless you.
0: Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister, Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology.